Street. Hello and welcome to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. We have been on a bit of a summer hiatus and very sadly this episode will actually be the last edit podcast or at least for a while. Um, But before we kick things off today, I just wanted the opportunity to say a huge, huge thank you to everybody who has tuned in to this show over the last 18 months. I hope it has given you as much escapism as listeners as it has to me as a host and hopefully we will be back in some form or another in the not so distant future but on to the important stuff and for this episode we thought we'd do a little retrospective on the glorious Australian pub punks Amel and the Sniffers reflecting on their career to date particularly within the context of rough trade and here to join me is the ever favourable Mr Nigel House. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Um, I have also recorded an interview with Amy and the guys, which you can hear at the end of this show. Um, And we are actually recording this today on the 10th of September, the day that the band's brilliant sophomore album, Comfort to Me, arrives into the racks. I am very much looking forward to picking up my copy at Rough Trade East this afternoon. Nige, are you the proud owner (laughs) of the copy already, or are you standing keenly by your postbox this morning <laughs> well I was at the shop yesterday and I have to say I bought home a CD copy of it yesterday so I've been playing it uh, yesterday and this morning but um, that sale will go through today not yesterday of course of course of course I love the uh, the commitment to the CD oh uh, you know I just think they're um, uh, you know nice price convenient <laughs> <laughs> you know I play it in the car so uh, you know yeah, I'm quite happy with them. So great a mark have Amala Sniffers left on our stores community and so fervent is their love for what they bring to the stage that for this episode we wanted to pull out a few favourite tracks from across their catalogue and just kind of discuss their journey from those very early listens in kind of 2016-17 right up until today. So Nige, I want to start by asking you when Rough Trade was first alerted to Amala Sniffers? Well, it's all down to Sean, really. Um, I guess he must have got a copy of the early single or cassette. And then when Damaged Goods put out the um, compilation album, um, we did a colour on that. And I think he just took a punt. We only did 100. And we just thought, you know, God, this is really good. And sometimes you just you just go with it. You think, yeah, we're going to do well. I wish we'd done more than 100, though. Seems it goes for about £100 now on the old Discogs. <laughs> Oh, and I am actually the lucky, lucky owner of um, of two of those. Uh, oh, Emily. Not because I bought two, you know, as to kind of be a little shifty seller on her, but um, my boyfriend and I both bought a copy separately and then we moved in together. So now we have a joint collection, but it does consist of two copies of many, <laughs> many records. So, uh, yes. In that respect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And do you keep your records separate? We don't, we've, we've combined the lot and actually I've done that, what some may call very wanky thing of like framing all the dupes that we have. So <laughs> turn those into artwork and then preserve the vinyl in a little uh, shelf separate from our kind of main collection, which just has one of each in a nice ordered chronological fashion. So uh, 
Yeah, I'm a bit OCD about it. It's yes, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Very organised is what I can say. Very organised. So I have three songs to chat about, and Nigel, I think you have the same, maybe yep. more, which is brilliant. Um, and I'm going to kick things off with the track Caltex Cowgirl from the band's Giddy Up EP, which they wrote and released way back in 2016. Um, I really, really like this song. It's not got the pace or the intensity of many of the tracks you'd immediately associate Amal for, but it's quite intimate and it's very raw. And there's a really nice um, little video on YouTube, actually, um, where Amy is walking around. I think it's sort of like a corner shop and she's wearing a cowboy hat over her trademark platinum mullet. And then Deck and Bryce kind of come into shot and they have this crazy platinum hair as well. And I just love it for the kind of gentle downbeat kind of sweet tune it is in contrast to some of their other tracks. And um, Amy's Instagram also shares the same name. Um, her handle is Cal Caltex Cowgirl. So I think that's kind of a little sweet, um, yeah, throwback to that song and kind of where they started out. So that's my first track and we're gonna play a little bit of it right now. Caltex Cowgirl and then next up I have the iconic Blowjobs from their Big Attraction EP which was released in 2017 but yeah this song comes in at 1 minute 30 and it is instantly recognisable um, by its awesome intro I think they probably play it at every show because it's such a crowd pleaser um, I certainly first heard it when they played Rough Trade East I think it must have been May 2018 and this is the song that kind of stuck with me and they were playing another show in town, I think straight after that in store. But I had tickets to see the Rolling Stones at London Stadium that night. And I remember thinking I'd actually rather go and see those Aussie punks again because they were like really great. What a great track. And um, my first track is also from the Big Attraction EP, I'm Not a Loser. Um, and again, this is just, you know, pure punk rock, really. I mean, there's not a lot more to be said about it. It's just such a great track. I mean, I remember going to the in-store and seeing them play there and just being totally blown away by them. And I just remember Amy telling this great story of um, they, were off, they were going off to America pretty soon. And she said, she said she'd been there before um, as a nanny and uh, she kind of looked around at the rest of the band and that's what I'm going to be doing when I go over there this time as well, which I just thought was so funny. They got, she's got so much, you know, about her and the band are great as well.
just such an icon, I think, to a lot of young females, but young people generally, probably older people too. She's so she's so cool and yeah. also so approachable. And I think maybe, you know, you may prejudge their kind of, uh, you know, the way they kind of carry themselves and the music and the kind of quite kind of like hard girl, hard man kind of image. But actually, they're such lovely down to earth people. They've got some brilliant stories and they're just kind of riding this wave of, you know, great success that they never kind of went looking for but it's just befallen them because they are just so brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I can remember seeing them thinking, oh, they're great, you know, they're great. Um, but then, I don't know, when did they put the Gucci mural up with them so, on there? Yeah, so that appeared, I think it was literally maybe just after or just before they released their self-titled debut, which dropped in 2019. Yeah. On By then they were signed to Rough Trade, of course. And yeah, I remember walking out of East... And in Ely's yard, they have that big mural space, don't they? And it just Mm -hmm. was being painted over a series of days. And at one point I looked up and I was like, that really looks like Amy from Animal and the Sniffers, but no way will it be Amy from Animal and the Sniffers. And then like within a few days it was complete and it was Animal and the Sniffers. And I was like, they've just gone from like zero to a hundred. Yeah. But it was such a cool campaign for them to do. I'm so pleased that, not that I know much about Gucci at all cannot afford to shop there but so cool that they chose Amelon Sniffers to to be a part of that campaign because I think it's something that you wouldn't normally expect to see yeah right another track well I'm actually I'm going to choose a track if that's okay so this is Freaks to the Front which is on the new album and this is just like this is a total garage rock track it could be off Pebbles it could be off Nuggets what I really like about them is they're a a total throwback but I don't mean that in a bad way or retro I don't mean that in a bad way because the songs are so good uh, they just I just love that garage sound that I always have done and I just think they they just do it so well I mean I think what's quite interesting is that although they are so retro they are so cool as well and I think that you don't you know I think the coolest people don't try to be cool they're just what they are I've always thought that you don't need to they don't need to try because they're just so great at what they do and what they are yeah and I think none of them have been kind of fashioned or molded into something to be marketable they're just marketable because of purely because of who they are and how they get themselves exactly yeah yeah you know and I suppose being Australian I mean Australia maybe especially particularly over the last couple of years or you know 18 months that um you know it's so far away and they're so they're insular in a way and so they don't care you know if you know mullets are in fashion or not they just have mullets because they do and um (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't mind a mullet (laughs) (laughs) um but there's also that total australian sound you know there you know you think of radio birdman acdc that just you know celibate rifles all that classic garage rock they're just part of that but you know yeah and i think what's so great about this new record is they've clearly like dived back into all those um aussie influences and you know stuff from from bands that they listen to as kids or you know they listen to among their peers um, and they've plucked out influences from that, but obviously still curated this incredible sound that's so um, unique to them. Um, and they've really built on that for this record, I think. And it's just, we were talking about the production, I think just before we hit record and how much more kind of realized it is. And there's just a clear evolution here, which is so great to see. And I think, you know, uh, for this album for me has really shown that they're only gonna get bigger and better. Yeah. And, it, and not that I ever thought it was like, 
you know, a flash in the pan, but they're really proved with this record that, you know, they've got the goods and they're, you know, yeah. ready. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, like I always say, it's down to the songs. Anyway, freaks to the front, here we go. Freaks to the front. Next up, and I'm going to talk about security from Comfort to Me. Um, my favourite track on the record is actually Knifey, um, which you should check out because it's super, super good. But I wanted to focus on security purely because it's such a well-realised and constructed track. It also shows for me the most vulnerability um, that they've probably kind of put to music. I think something I was sort of touched on this earlier, something I think a lot of people would jump to wouldn't jump to associate sorry with animal and sniffers is that kind of that vulnerability um so i think it kind of really kind of opens up and showcases that personal element to their music which i think has carried them through to to this point as what and is also what attracts a lot of fans to them because it's so accessible because you can relate to so much of the stuff that amy is kind of talking about in these songs um it's also just such a banger <laughs> yes they all are <laughs> great track and i've chosen my last track is um no more tears which again is off the um new album um i mean just we've chosen so many tracks really it's just it's just such a great album um and i know that um ian damaged goods he saw them play at great escape this must have been in i suppose you know right at the very beginning and um he you know took him out for a drink he said we can go to this really good pub they do you know all these craft beers and real ale and thinking that they uh you know be you know impressed with him obviously they weren't because they said we just want a pub that's got fosters <laughs> <laughs> tears and that wraps our little retrospective um, for this podcast special i do realize we didn't choose or play any tracks off obviously their debut lp but i have to say i think one of the standouts from that is some mutts can't be muzzled so stay right where you are to catch my interview with the band from their home in melbourne if you want to chat to us about anything discussed in this show hit us up on twitter at rough Terrain. you can also leave a lovely review over on itunes Big, big thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this one and we will catch you sometime really, really soon.
So Amal Anasipur, welcome back to our podcast. Um, I think it's a little over two years since we last spoke. You guys were down at Rough Trade East signing copies of your debut record. Um, and a lot has happened since then. Most of it pretty shit, but um, what is not shit is the fact that you guys have a new album. Just super, super exciting. Um, yeah, how has your kind of last year been in a nutshell? Obviously not going into too much detail all the downtime but how are you feeling kind of at this point probably in a nutshell sums up the last year really oh <laughs> uh, yeah it's been it's been pretty turbulent like up and down like in um in terms of like you know adjusting to life to, like this life and stuff and like having so much stuff kind of stripped away from you from your work kind of thing yeah but um I don't know of all the time it comes it kind of feels like the light at the end of the tunnel is always like moving or getting further away or getting closer or moving sideways or something. Yeah. So you've always kind of got that kind of thing to work towards, which I guess has given you some focus in a time that's been pretty un kind of, you can't really judge what's going to happen next sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, we all know that like, this is not going to last forever, hopefully. And eventually we'll kind of be back to like normal life. Yeah. Just got to... I remember when I was learning how to swim when I was like a little kid or whatever. And, um, you know, I was really small and couldn't swim and I jumped in the pool and like there was a person kind of standing just, I think it was my mum, but standing like just in the pool and like, she was like, just swim to me kind of thing and like kept slowly moving backwards the whole time. And so I thought <laughs> I'd get closer, but I was actually drowning. Oh, <laughs> it's kind of like, very... it makes you a swimmer in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so new album Comfort to Me is released on the 10th of September on Rough Trade Records. It is incredible and it is already um, my favourite thing that you guys have ever done. Um, so congratulations, so, so excited for it. I guess the second album then is traditionally kind of feared as one of maybe the bigger challenges um, among music makers. Uh, I guess largely because it's so open to criticism and comparison, particularly if your first record has been so successful. I think as a band, you guys have such like ownership and confidence in what you create. So I kind of have a feeling that making a second record wasn't the sort of thing that phased you perhaps as much as it would other bands. Would that be correct? Yeah, I think that's pretty bang on. Um, like I didn't really even kind of consider the second album pressure until we kind of started doing interviews. Mm. And then like people asked it and I was like, okay, yeah, actually, like actually never really thought about it at all during the whole writing and recording process for me anyway yeah but it does it does feel like it was just kind of I know we always write music mostly for ourselves and to do something that we're proud of so it was never really like largely considered that with there was COVID too, with COVID too there's just like so much other bullshit going on in the world that there's just I don't really feel like there was a great deal of pressure because mm -hmm. the world's just fucking burning around you and so we just kind of focused on the album and just kind of yeah just did it did it how he always kind of would do it and just everything else didn't really matter. I guess also the fact that you made it in lockdown or during the pandemic, you didn't really know what the landscape would be when the record would finally be released. So I guess there was so much unknown about that. So sort of being in your own bubble, doing your own creation, I guess there was, you know, those external factors probably weren't as there as much as they would be maybe if the world hadn't been in that situation. Yeah, for sure, 100%. I guess as well, like Gus said, it's like, yeah, like Australia's on fire, everyone's in a pandemic. It's kind of like 
to be worried if somebody does or doesn't like your music or yourself is pretty like it's a pretty like pointless thing to worry about I think I get kind of like who cares (laughs) I have to say like one listen of the record and you can kind of instantly hear this evolution from your from your earlier work I think your first record was such a brilliant introduction to Amal and the Sniffers and like really set the pace but I think this record is something that is much bigger it's more complex more personal um how does making an Amal and the Sniffers record kind of work do you all get together and kind of share ideas or kind of what is that dynamic like it's pretty like pretty shared chaos like someone will just bring something like Bryce will go like here's this guitar bit or Gus will go like yeah I made this bassing or Declan will go like here's this song and now kind of just do their thing together and whack it away and I'll usually sit in the room and just be penciling stuff away or sing it along and it's all pretty natural really like not too consistent like um it just happens (laughs) (laughs) it's like beautiful magic yeah like like beautiful magic um I really adore like the vulnerability that comes through in this album um Amy I think you described it as really unapologetic um and I imagine since you have risen in popularity as a band there have been like a whole bunch of stereotypes that you've had to challenge along the way um is that kind of desire um an expression for kind of acceptance something that you all share and discuss quite regularly um not really to be honest we don't really discuss it among ourselves but I'm sure we all share the same um point of view really as well I think like acceptance we've like plus the point of kind of striving for acceptance because we realized pretty quick that like um, heaps of crew just won't like what we do and like you're rubbed the wrong way lots of people constantly so it's kind of like of course like acceptance it feels really nice and like it's to be human is to be like accepted and like have belonging and not feel like a fool but in the end it's like you can't really strive for that all you can do is like do what you're doing and try and be a good person or whatever and the rest will kind of follow and if it doesn't then then it doesn't matter yeah do you find quite a a comfort but it's also such a release to kind of I guess discuss those things or explore those emotions in the the type of music and the songwriting that you do obviously they're not like big ballads um you know there's a lot of pace a lot of your songs are very short is that something that's quite cathartic in a way uh yeah definitely like I love the short stuff I like the angry stuff I like the you know that's how I express a lot of my emotions too like that's the funnest way for me to do it like yeah even earlier when I was trying to cook this pea and ham soup that I'm eating like I wasn't like crying because I'm a bad cook I was just like fuck I wish I could cook (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, it's definitely cathartic and like I encourage it for any kind of anybody to, you know, like even just the fact that you're like moving your body and you're sweating and like, um, yeah, it's like expressing yourself in a particular way. Because as well, it's like even though it's angry and stuff, it's never really, our music's never like directed at one thing in particular or like it's never like a pointed rage. It's usually just like, yeah, like um, a subjective rage or like, you know, I feel like this album is more like refined with its, um, yeah, it's like anger or whatever, but it's still quite broad because that's just how we think, I think. I think the attitude that 
you describe there and that you radiate all of you as a band is so positive and it's really refreshing. Um, so how important would you say that like legacy is to you guys that what you make will kind of live on and maybe influence other people, big or small in the future? In terms of the future, I kind of just do think, I mean, personally, I just think about what's kind of going on now. I've never really thought about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, that'd be lovely if we're a bit of a legacy band, but <laughs> I don't know. I, th I think it's like, um, yeah, when I was growing up or whatever, it's like I didn't see that many female musicians, but I still, I mean, currently I'm a female musician, but I feel like the fact that I feel like just like naturally with like more of an audience, like there'll be somebody out there who will either be inspired in a positive way, like, oh, that's sick, I want to do that, or like, oh, that's shit, I literally want to do everything apart from that. That's an example of what I don't want to be in any capacity. Mm. So I feel like naturally it's like, you know, something will pop. But at the same time, I've thought about it before, and it's like, oh, maybe our vinyl will be sitting in like a record shop in 50 years. But maybe in the back of my head, I'm like, bitch, that vinyl's going to be melted by that hot, hot sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I really hope that they will still be on the shelves in 50 years time. They were definitely on our shelves in 50 years time, even if we have to refrigerate them. They... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like responsibility then? You t obviously we've talked about, and you know, it's widely kind of acknowledged how much you've risen so quickly in popularity, particularly like over here in Europe. I feel like your audiences get bigger every time you come play here. Is there, do you feel like a sense of almost responsibility in a way to be, I don't know, talking about the right things, doing the right thing, or do you just kind of put all that to the side and just keep on being you? And if people don't like it, then fuck it. Um, I think like mostly so, yeah. I think like the main things I feel like I want people to know about me is that like, I think, you know, and like it sounds really basic, but to some people it would be news, but it's like racism bad, sexism bad, homophobia bad, transphobia bad. like. You know, it's like, we don't like any of those things. <laughs> but like, other than that, I think like the main thing is, is just to like encourage people to critically think and like not, um, not just kind of go like, oh, well, if Gus did it, I'll do it. But go like, that's dope that Gus did it. But like, I don't feel like putting a ciggy out on my forehead tonight. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> um, other than just like caring about other people, um, the rest of it, I think, I don't really care what people take from us, I guess. Like, I don't feel like, actually, that's the wrong way to put it. I just don't, I don't take that much responsibility to do and say the right thing as long as it, yeah, people think about what, 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 why they're doing what they do. And if they're influenced by me, why? Or like, if they're influenced by the boys, why? Yeah. I think that comes through, definitely comes through for me. Um, your life then obviously such a huge part of your identity as a band and last year must have been super tough creatively um obviously not being able to tour do you think you will fall back into touring quite naturally or is there kind of a bit of nervousness about being back out there and kind of living up to maybe what fans might expect i feel like we'll fall back in pretty easily like i feel like we spend maybe like the last three years kind of non-stop touring and like we're pretty young and stuff, but still at the same time, like I feel 
like we're all pretty conditioned to it now. And, you know, the first three shows of a tour might be funny, but then I feel like we'll be back to normal kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it's our job now. Like we're just, we're all like, we've all gotten so much better at it and like so much more used to it and like so much more used to that lifestyle that it's like, um, yeah, it's just like, what's like half of the reason why like kind of so successful as well is like being a live band and like being entertaining. So I don't know, it's just our job and we kind of just do it. Yeah. What's your first show coming up then once kind of, obviously you guys are in lockdown at the moment, but is there any shows that you've got coming up in Australia or is it going to be kind of the international shows will be kind of your, your first big ones? We've got um, some shows like penciled in, but we don't know what's going to happen with all of those. But the one thing that definitely is going to go ahead is like a live stream we're going to do that everyone can watch. Um, that'll be it on in October. Um, and it's just going to be the album back to, front to back, front to back from the start to the finish one shot, shot by PHC Films. They like made all our clips and they also made that movie Chunky Shrapnel. So it should be pretty turbulent and delightful. Awesome. But then, yeah, other than that, it's just the November shows in the UK. Cause, but, yeah, we don't know what'll happen down here. Yeah. I guess it's, we're all kind of like, I was saying to you guys earlier, your Rough Trade East show has just sold out. So, obviously, the, ap- the appetite for you guys is still ever strong and we're so excited for you to come over. So, just here's hoping that all goes well and you manage to get, get across and come see us. Cause, uh, yeah. We've all had a jab. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's a that's a good first step. Convicts <laughs> back. As long as you don't have to do any quarantining and rough trade because the toilets are freaking awful. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're like, oh, we'll I a special hotel to quarantine in then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um what's kind of been the the best moment for you about recording comfort to me has it been like the video shoots just listening to the first kind of um like the production coming together you worked with a really great producer for this record what I, I imagine there's so many great moments but is there one in particular that you feel you can all share and kind of recognize that was that was really special uh I feel like for me it was like like when we finished it <laughs> when it was kind of like all wrapped up and we were just like, kind of all got to the um, final point where we all agree with it and were proud of it and felt good about it. And like, we're just really stoked to like, and excited to have it out. It hasn't happened yet. It'll happen on September 10th when it's out and we stop doing press as well. When we can celebrate. When we can go to the fucking pub together and celebrate when the album's actually out and we've stopped doing press. We're not in fucking lockdown. So looking forward to it. It's coming. It's coming. Um, have you found, like, putting the record together, because obviously your label is Rough Trade Records here in the UK, have you found, like, doing that album process quite remotely? I suppose it is anyway, because you guys, being in Australia, pandemic or not. But has it been more challenging, or have you found kind of the, the distance and, you know, being at home a lot more kind of quite comforting and in some ways given the album kind of a, a bit of a different or a chance really to to give it a bit of a different kind of vibe um it's been really 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 nice being like in melbourne like i feel really nice when i'm on like in australia or whatever so 
doing it from here has been great I think for all of us because yeah we did the last one in Sheffield after like three months of touring um and um it just it's just you know it feels good I get homesick when I'm away from here and it feels nice to be like at home um and most of the stuff we do is always pretty remote just because of where we are like it's so far to get over there to the northern hemisphere anyway so um so you know but it was a bit tough with the like doing Nick Lorne and stuff and doing like Frulio was just because it's it's not always easy for me to articulate what's in my brain. So I think that was probably a bit of a challenge for them coming back and forth and the time difference and that. Hmm. For sure. I suppose it's so representative of how a lot of people have had to work in the last 18 months that um, I guess it offers fresh challenges and stuff. And do you think there'll be a lot that you will take away from this experience that you might plough into like the next record? Um, it's hard to know really, because we just really take things as they come. Um, and I'm sure we're learning a lot as we're going along, but yeah, generally we just take things as they come and whenever we're ready for the next album or whatnot, then we'll, um, We'll, we'll, I guess we'll know a bit closer to what everything's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to jump the gun given Comfort to Me's not out yet. Um, we <laughs> really embrace and enjoy that for, as much as we can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, finally, do you guys have a, a favourite song on the record or a song that you feel best represents this chapter of Almond and the Sniffers? I like Don't Fence Me in Heaps. I like it. Uh, I like, I just like it. And I like, um, I really like Don't Need a Cunt as well. I think it's really fun. <laughs> That's, yeah, they're up there for me. Okay. Yeah, I reckon like maybe Choices or Capital, um, just like kind of energy wise and like fun wise, like they're just fucking so much fun to play. Yeah. Was it quite hard to like pick? the final track list? Because I imagine, I think I read somewhere that you wrote a lot more tracks, obviously, than what we've ended up with on the record. So was kind of whittling that down quite a difficult task or were there like the clear standouts from all the tracks that you wrote? We yeah, all pretty... listed our favourite songs from one to least favourite to most favourite. And then we just added it all up. And then all the ones that were on the list and then we just had, we said we we're going to do 12. We just added it up and then we added one more in. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was democratic. The most with beautiful maths. way. Yeah, with democracy and mathematics. The best way for the record to get that. Nice. Guys, thank you so much um, for joining me on this little late night Zoom. Um, all the best with the album. Um, we can't wait to see you in Rough Trades in November. Fingers crossed that all goes smoothly and you guys can get over here. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for having us and everything. Well, thank you. Cheers, Emily. Thanks. Bye. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.